and a good morning, a happy Tuesday. Appreciate you spending time with us this morning, Bruce and Judy with you. And, well, they tightened up. It's like the slot machines in Vegas. Mayor Lightfoot tightened up the, the speed cameras. They are And they are paying off big for the city of Chicago. We now learn. Uh, and from our friends over at the Illinois Policy Institute, thank you for them for doing it, that the city of Chicago generated about $89 million in speed camera tickets. And there are a couple of those that are like winning slot. They are just cranking out the money, for goodness well, sakes. Well, of the $89 million, $57 million is the 6 to 10 mile an hour range. Is the new tighten it, yeah. tightening it up. It used so, to be over 10, now it's the over... the windfall. Yeah. 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 Well, I love this. They gave out more tickets mm -hmm. than there are residents in Chicago. That's not an exaggeration. No. Well, and I'm sure you get people who don't live in Chicago. A lot of those have to be people who just don't know. I, I never drive around Chicago anymore without putting my GPS on so that I can hear. Oh, and it says speed light camera coming up. If you use like yep. one of the apps like Waze, yep. it tells because you speed light camera ahead. We're talking six miles. Were you? If it's a 30 <laughs> mile an hour, miles. you're used to going. I, I, I always do five miles over, but six Normal. is easy. Six. Normal. And believe me, you go six miles over and you're caught. And off go the flash bulbs. Right. Now the, uh, you know, it's the ticket's $35, which isn't so terrible. But that's only for 6 to 10 miles over. Yeah, it goes up progressively. The, there's a, there's the a principle. Speed. <laughs> there, oh, yeah. There's well, a principle the speeder in this. here. I know. I know. You know, and the idea that this is has anything to do with safety is ridiculous. Well, I agree. You don't want someone going 60 in a 30. That's not, No. Yeah. If it's 30 miles an hour, it's a neighborhood where people are walking around. But 41 in a 35 is not speed racer mm. you know but the, off it goes either way you know uh yeah that's why it's called the speed limit 2.8 million tickets issued three more than the total population of chicago three cameras three cameras were responsible for 10 million dollars wow just three of them three you know and one of the arguments is and i think it's a it's a solid argument that where these cameras are is also important because are the cameras in places where specifically people are notoriously speeding or are they in places where the city and the camera operator, it's a private company, know they can make the most <laughs> revenue off well, But of isn't them. that the same thing? I don't That's, know, is it? Obviously, if they can make the most revenue, they're speeding there. I don't know <laughs> if it's, I can tell you personally... Ashland, Ashland Avenue is okay. That's a bad area because I I get off you know the Eisenhower or the Kennedy and go down Ashland and usually to go visit my son. So I'm going down there for a few miles. It is, and he calls me every time too if he has my car. Ugh, what's that? How much is the ticket? I'm like, are you kidding me? But that area, Ashland. So it's it's you know it's commercial, but there are houses and there are schools. Um, and there are a lot of, uh, at least one or two, um, six way lights, you okay. know, or four way, you know, six way. Yeah. Which should also be illegal. I, right. <laughs> In and of itself. Six corners. I grew up going to six corners. Oh my God. That's what it's we called worst. it. Six yeah. corners. Yeah, it's, it's... It, you couldn't get through. It might've taken you a half a day to get through the light. 
Yeah. I can one-up that, not not just to play one-upper, but uh, in Northern Virginia where I, I grew up, there was a place called Seven Corners. Literally <laughs> Seven Corners. Well, that is a one-up, isn't it? And I mean, it? You, would, you, would, you would pull up to that. I still, to this day, pull yeah. up and I go, I just have no idea what's going on in this intersection. And oh. there's lines and lights everywhere. And I'm like, just try to follow the guy in front of you. And if they exactly. go the wrong way, we're all going the wrong you way. You try to go straight, but you're not sure you're going to stay on the same le- on the same road. Yeah. There's so many roads fanning out. It just goes everywhere. So, yeah. So, I, I guess... I mean, I think the city would say, of course, that that is where people speed a lot, where there are more accidents. I mean, I will say that, take action, because that's the only thing I have personal experience with. And I don't know, 312-591-8900, maybe you have experience on a certain route. But it is busy. There's a lot of traffic. People are pulling in and out. You can park on the side of the street. Mm. There are a lot of shopping areas. So I kind of get it. On the other hand, it's 30. It's 30. It's not 40 miles an hour. Leave it to Florida to figure this out. There is a scam out there where the the scammers, they go and they take a picture of your license plate. Okay? Walk up to your car somewhere. And then they create a fake ticket. A fake red light camera speeding ticket and send it to you. <laughs> with a picture of your license, you're like, oh, it's my license plate. And it looks like an official form. And then you pay them, and it's not a real ticket. And they said that, you know, the, you know why that works? Because so many people just Speed? pay the t- and just yeah. pay the ticket. Because they, why wouldn't you? Just pay it. Yeah. You know? Wow. I fight all of them. Absolutely. That's you always got to fight it. You gotta- no, I tried fighting one one time because I swear I was in the right. But the only time I ever got a ticket, like when I was... 22 they make you wait oh do you have a ticket you're disputing okay you'll go last you fought the law and the law won absolutely Uh, never again well i never got another ticket so i just uh, i I thought what an amazing scam the fake red light camera fake speeding camera ticket where they just take pictures of your it's unbelievable right how crazy is that it's unbelievable what will they think of next that's yeah. what I keep saying. And then, you know what? They keep thinking of something even more outrageous next. <laughs> I, gotta t- I, 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 I only wish, and there's got to be some sharp lawyers out there who are going to find a way to challenge this. Because, again, ha- having lived, uh, for example, in Arizona, they finally got rid of these because none of us paid them. I mean, like 80% of the people threw really? them away. Yeah, because we knew, per the law, Mailing you a ticket, mailing you a citation. Well, they have to prove I got it. I don't have to prove I didn't get it. Mm. Uh, how am I? Uh, how am I? Uh, what ticket? Well, we mailed it to you. Yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? interesting. So, the, the, we, and the judges were on the side of the people saying, "Well, you can't just ma- you can't just assume right. because you mailed something that they received the ticket." And they go, the argument was, you know, when a police if they, if you get pulled over by an actual cop, hello, real cops. They walk up, they make you sign it. This is not an admission of guilt. It's just you got yeah, the ticket. So right. you can't say the cop never gave me a ticket. That's your signature on it. And it's not like, well, I don't know. They make so much money, I guess, if they could send a processor to your door and say, here, sign for, sign here. That was and the give argument. you the ticket. Yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, these tickets, these fake tickets look, they look very real. so real. They look but very see, real. There's a business opportunity for kids as they deliver the morning paper. They can mm, also go perfect. around and collect those tickets, tickets that were supposedly <laughs> mailed to your home. Speaking of criminals, still time for our criminal of the day. And a shout out to 
Jeanette Marie Wheeland of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, who made it incredibly easy for the police to track her down. Allegedly, Miss Wheeland stole a checkbook from an unlocked parked car on the street. Thinking of all the things one could do with a stack of blank checks, Jeanette chose the worst and dumbest thing to do. According to Sioux Falls Police, she made her way down to the bank, wrote out a check for 1600 bucks, forged the signature on it, and made it payable to herself. That's right. She wrote her own legal name in the payable to section of the forged check. No DNA testing required to match the name on the check to the woman on the bank surveillance cameras, and police went to her home and took Whelan into custody. By the way, in other news, someone still writes checks. She was charged with possession of stolen property, forgery, forgery, and identity theft. Good for her that stupidity isn't a crime in South Dakota. So for forging a check to yourself, thereby providing all the evidence needed of your crime, you, Jeanette Wheeland, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Tuesday. Here's what's coming up this hour. A tough two years has left students feeling confused and trying to understand their experience during the pandemic. We're going to talk to a Grammy-nominated teacher about how he's helping kids express themselves through music at 645. Murders just aren't getting solved in the city of Chicago. What are Kim Fox and the CPD doing to address violent crime? And what about the rise in thefts and carjackings? We'll take a look at 630. And in just a few minutes, the Bears want Arlington Heights maybe to pony up money for that swanky new stadium. Is it fair to make residents pay for the Monsters of the Midway to make the move? But first, you may be seeing yet another stimulus check in the near future. This time from the state, the Illinois Senate has proposed a massive tax cut, including checks and freezes on taxes for groceries and school supplies. A much-needed break or a ploy to gain votes in November. You can always join the conversation at 312-591-8900. So there is a fundamental difference between the federal government sending out stimulus checks and the state of Illinois sending out stimulus checks. One being, the federal government can print money. Last time I checked, the state of Illinois can't. So the federal government can make money out of whole cloth. They can just invent it. In the state of Illinois, if they're going to be giving away money, that means they're taking it from you. <laughs> it has to come from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, in this case, it's come. It is coming from the feds. It's coming from that money they printed. It's it's mostly eight billion dollars in federal pandemic relief money. Right. It was meant for a variety of things. Is yeah, another for us. check. I say that's a good thing. They're giving it back to us. Yeah. Give it back. I want it back. We. we it's my money to begin with, right? Well, it would be your money if yeah, we weren't it just, it deficit spending. We didn't have the money I, to begin with. Even more interesting is it's, that's most of the money that's going to come from there. And then there's some of it's going to come from a state tax revenue surplus. You don't hear that much either. We also have a fiscal situation in the state of Illinois that isn't the best. But as is the one, and, and by the way, uh, you, you, you said it best. People could care less about the state of Illinois going bankrupt 20 years from now. They want to check today. <laughs> you know, they, they just don't care about the long term. And the politicians know that. And so why would you try to fix fundamentally some of the issues that are facing Illinois when you can just hand out money? 
We've, well, we've now become a country where that is a standard. It's crazy. I never got a stimulus check from the government my whole life. And then all of a sudden they started handing out money. And guess what? They found out people like it when you hand out well, money. Well, the problem with it, I mean, it, it needs to be a tighter program because as we found out, oh. oh, people were spending the stimulus. Fraud? The fraud was unbelievable. And... I just read an article where the government is taking back some money from states that it offered for rent. Remember the, the whole rent, the rent subsidies? Yes. Okay. So now that it's all said and done, they're like, yeah, you know what? South Dakota, you don't really have that many renters. Three. So we're going to need that money back. And they're literally taking it now. And Illinois is one of the states that's benefiting because they're actually giving it to some states that do have a lot of renters. And even oh, Illinois, yeah. you could even argue Illinois did all poor job mm-hmm. in handing out that rental assistance it was just, they still have a ton of it money was a in mortgage there. assistance yeah. program as well as I mean, with that wasn't frankly, there if our state is saying we've got all this money the surplus money laying around that we didn't spend i say give it back you're right we it was never intended for that you have a budget problem we'll fix your budget problem don't be using eight billion in federal stimulus right. money yeah i would yeah, but notice how no one's talking about cutting spending it just never comes up no one's talking about well maybe we shouldn't be spending all this money that's never part of the the conversation that needs to take place now yeah i would not only so here's what it would do most taxpayers would get a hundred dollars a person fifty dollars per child in their household okay property owners would get up to three hundred dollars in property tax relief okay Okay, I'm what I'm up to four hundred dollars. Grocery taxes would be suspended for six months along Hmm. a suspension that's a state on a state level yes which, again, I'll take it. And then the state would also freeze taxes on school supplies for 10 days in August. Oh, there'd be and like I, a, a, a shopping holiday uh, right, for school supplies. They do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah I, I think they should, you know, extend that to like women's fashions as well. Mm-hmm. But okay, I'll, you know, school supplies, fine. I get that. You know, you have kids and yeah, wish I had had that when I had kids. But okay. I mean, you know, I, yeah, why not? I'd rather, I'd rather take the money than have the, Quite frankly, I just, you know, I don't trust the state. No, I don't want them, to keep, I don't want them to keep the $8 billion and say that they're, they're going to do some fiscally responsible. Th- no, they won't. I just, anytime, and I would just, you know, the, the, history is on my side. That government tries to get in and jerry-rig the system, the economy, it never goes well. And the reality of this is that if you think that some sort of a tax holiday on groceries, for example, is going to cause any sort of measurable uh, dip in grocery prices, you live in a fantasy world. It, 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 no, it's not going to. <laughs> and in many cases, you know what will happen? The price will go up exactly the amount of the tax <laughs> cut. And so the prices remain the same. Congratulations. Um, mm-hmm. The state just doesn't get its cut anymore. Uh, that's the reality of it. I mean, the market I, is going to determine this. I guess I look at it as if they have $8 billion in federal relief that's sitting there, yeah, what I, I, I would rather take, I would rather go, it goes to residents, goes back to the, back to the taxpayers. And I understand you're, and that's going to happen in either, in either case. You know, even if they said, well, we're going to take this money and use it to plug up the budget. Eh, they they won't. They'll, no. they'll be, yeah, there'll be so much hemorrhaging, it won't even matter. So I'd rather get that money in my hands. 
And I was the one who was complaining about too much, too many stimulus checks. Remember, I was like, How many I, have, I didn't, I'm I, embarrassed I, I even got the last two. You know, I'm like, I don't need it. I'm working. Why am I getting it? Right. So that's what I mean about tighter. I, it's got to go where it's needed most. Like a means testing. People right, well, who need, yeah. who, people who genuinely need it Make because of what's going yes, on. Yes, do yeah. I would rather they, you know, if we, they could be trusted, they could do. You know, you know what you could do with eight billion dollars? A lot, probably. None of it will get done. They'll just it's going to hand out checks. You know, they're also talking about you know, kind of the idea of helping. Uh, this is on a on a federal level. Uh, another. What do they call it? Energy rebate? Another federal stimulus because of gas prices? Yeah, it's it's got to stop. I, 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 the this is the argument. The problem the problem with socialism, to quote Margaret Thatcher, eventually you run out of other people's money. You know, mm-hmm. and that is the problem. And we have we're well past where the buses run on this, where we are printing and giving away money at a rate. And my concern is. The dependency that creates and the expectation that creates that anybody in any position of power in politics is going to say, vote for me, I will give you free money. And people will, I guarantee you, will vote for the, who, right. given the two options, so, who can, mm-hmm. one could be from the party of Satan. I'm giving away money. I'm voting for Satan right. today. All well, right. And believe me, every Republican in the state of Illinois is saying that. Because yeah. the Democrats are in charge, and they're the ones giving out the money. Oh, I, and I, I was against yeah, stimulus checks when Trump gave them away. Yeah. So, to be clear, I'm consistent. I don't think the government should be in the business of handing out money to people, because I think that's a very inefficient way. That's what way. a lot of us thought, but we all took the money. That's the problem. Just like the Absolutely. state of Illinois. It's like every state took the money. No one's going to. Just like South Dakota. No one sent no the check back. Yeah, no one sent the check back. And yeah. they're not going to do it now. And a good morning to you. A happy Tuesday. Bruce and Judy with you. It looks like a horror movie outside. The fog is thick. Can he barely well, see came across out of the nowhere. street? I was going to say, it wasn't like. <laughs> I just looked over my shoulder. I thought something was on fire. Look at that. All right. Um. Congratulations to the University of Kansas Rock and Chuck Jayhawks uh, as they uh, uh, won the men's basketball national championship last night in a historic comeback. The largest deficit ever overcome. And boy, did they ever. Pretty amazing game. Came down the last shot. It's everything you want in, in, a, in a game like that, right? So uh, congratulations. Except for the two teams playing, but besides that. Got it. But I will say, oh, there's a little part of me that's laughing that Eric Church's team lost got it hope that was worth it yeah yeah you know telling your thousands of fans that you know you needed to watch the game so i've been there when my team lost in the final four (sighs) you know there's a certain thing like hey we got that far and then there's the oh well okay with eric church the point with that is he gave up a concert i'm sorry he didn't give up a concert he he he, yeah they're all the same to him well hopefully there's too many fans after after his team lost um but speaking of fans, though, you know, the, this this whole thing around the Bears and their new stadium and moving, there's let's be let's be clear. The Bears are not leaving Soldier Field for years. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing is imminent. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair way to put it? I mean, this well, is a, everything uh, takes time. But to say the least, well, it takes time to build a, deal, a stadium. A deal if you will. might be imminent. Yeah, um, they've obviously purchased or in, uh, entered into an agreement to purchase the land out there in in Arlington, um, and it's, I, I think, realistically, seven to ten years before they could ever leave anyway. Okay, but 
already the talk of tax breaks, subsidies, taxpayer funding is starting to raise its ugly head. Should taxpayers pay for sports stadiums? Never. Three, three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. Um, I thought the mayor of Arlington Heights said something. He had a quote. Uh, about this. He says, we want to make this happen. This happened being the move. So we'll have to see what their needs are and our abilities are and then try to balance the two. Uh, let me let me help the mayor. <clears throat> their needs are your money and your ability is just how much of it you're willing to give away. Um, did you know that Chicago taxpayers are still on the hook for $432 million Plus interest of the total six hundred ninety million it costs to renovate Soldier Field in two thousand and three, mm. and what a great renovation that was! Yeah. Right? Isn't that beautiful? It's a spaceship. Yes. So Congress is actually considering a bill that has no chance, obviously, but should be. It's called the No Tax Subsidies for Stadiums Why Act of 2022. No I think the time is ripe. Because the people who like tax subsidies own more more congressmen than the people that mm. don't, sadly enough. And so, basically, it's a law that, if passed, would stop local government from giving away money to billionaires. Yeah. Good Our luck. money. Good tax, luck. Taxpayer money. Well, but but this is, it's, it's still, a shakedown. I'm pretty sure we're still paying for the, um, the Sox Park, too. Yeah, still on the hook for yeah. that. I mean, it's just uh, once you learn how much these sports teams make, especially the NFL, once you learn what they pull in every minute, no, pay for it yourself. In defense of the Bears, in defense of the Bears, what is the return on the investment if and when (laughs) they move to Arlington Heights? Uh, there's it's plenty gonna, of studies. I encourage you to look them up yourself. It's going to be huge. These, quote-unquote, investments never pay for themselves, and the money could always have been spent in a better way that actually generates more economic activity and is a better return on investment. I'll give me an example of this now. Okay. The Buffalo Bills. You say nobody should do this? Nobody's for it? Buffalo. Buffalo! Just got approved. For $850 million in taxpayer money to build their new $1.4 billion state. Well, let's let's bring it back to the stimulus checks you guys were just talking about. Did a lot of us need those stimulus checks? No. Right. But did we take them and cash them? Of course. Yes. Right. So you're not overpaid if someone's willing to pay it, i.e. Arlington mm-hmm. Heights. But the problem so we if- run into is that when it comes to things like sports stadiums or giving money to sports teams... Right. And I, I would say Mayor Lightfoot is kind of in this. This is her her problem right now. Do you want to be the mayor on your watch that the team left when you could just give them taxpayer money? And when that bill came due, like the one in 2003 to rebuild do the stadium, who was mayor then? Who approved that then? Exactly. Nobody knows and nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? When it becomes a bigger problem, you're long gone. And so the incentive is... Well, don't take, like, the PR hit. You're the person that let the team leave? Yeah, but if the team isn't getting... From what I understand, Chicago, the team isn't making Chicago that much money, right? Oh, no. The the, the economic... 
uh, because, activity around Bears because, games is not large. No, not because of you know where it is, the location. Partly and, that, yeah. yeah, I think it's mostly that. Mm-hmm. So what's why would they? Why would they give him anything to say? So we could say that the Chicago Bears are still going to be the Chicago Bears, even if they're in Arlington Heights. Yeah, but now you, Arlington you Heights. I don't know. Maybe Arlington Heights is going to build a whole Bears village. Maybe it is going to be worth their dime. Because let's face it, this is going to be taxpayer money from Arlington Heights. So if you think your taxes are high right now in Arlington Heights, your property taxes, whatever. And I mean, I don't Maybe it'll be good for your property taxes in the long run. But not your taxes for your property you know, valuation. I, I don't get it. If you, there's no payout on the other end, what are you helping him for? They're the ones making all the money. It's a PR. Th- it's it's a shakedown. That'd be a really shame if the football team left. You know what it would be a shame? <laughs> It'd be a shame if everyone said no to the bear. If no, nah, we don't I, want you here. No, nah, go back. No, I don't disagree. I'm I'm one hundred percent on the no money for sports yeah, stadiums. When did one hundred percent anyway? When did when, when did, teams started to threaten to leave town if you didn't give them taxpayer money? And politicians in town said, "Oh my God." I can't be the one that let the team leave. Not on my I watch. I mean, at what point is it enough? Is it, do the teams go, all right, you know, we raked in a couple billion dollars. Let's go shake down, you know, the local government for more. It's ridiculous. Are you just tired of being lied and manipulated by politicians and media talkers? You want an honest take on politics today that doesn't match the typical Republican or Democrat talking points? Are you ready for candor from one of Chicago's very own? We can join us for an evening of Real Talk as 890 presents Honest Conversation with Joe Walsh happening Thursday, May 12th, 6 p.m. at Chevy Chase Country Club in Wheeling. Want to get some tickets? Head over right now to WLSAM.com. Spend an evening with us May 12th with for an Honest Conversation with Joe Walsh. Again, WLSAM.com. Is He's a the talker. He's a good talker. Yes. Uh, and it'll be a fun, fun night. It'll be like dinner mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and a conversation, if you will. Um, is murder legal in Chicago? Can you literally get away with murder in Chicago? Sadly, there's a hell of a lot of argument to yes. If you look at the actual statistics from the Chicago Police Department, last year, their murder clearance rate Solved, you know, was right at about 50%. Half of the murders in Chicago go unsolved. When you look at the numbers, it's maybe even a little worse. And shout out to uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. Their editorial board took a look at some of this. Where there's a, in the world of policing, I guess it's called the FBI model. Which means if you solve a murder from 10 years ago, it goes on your murder clearance for the year you solved it in, not for the year the murder occurred. So a lot of the murders that were quote-unquote cleared in 2021 didn't happen in 2021. Now, I'm not saying that detectives and the police shouldn't get credit for that. Good for them. Thank you for solving the murder. But when when you hear 50% clearance rate, for murders in Chicago, it already sounds low. And when you realize that there's another percentage of those murders that didn't actually happen, people are literally getting away with murder in Chicago. And cleared is a word we Ooh. have to talk about because when a, it's cleared doesn't mean it's solved. 
If right. a murder, if there's a murder, murder mm-hmm. took place, that Got is it. not in dispute. Nope. And it's cleared. It could be that charges weren't filed, or as we learned a new term, monology, uh, last year, mutual combatant. Oh my God! So there Remember was a murder, one? but no one was charged, and so the case was cleared. Some of this falls on on Kim Fox's desk. Full stop. Period. But some of it is falls in the Chicago Police Department's lap as well. Apparently, and I guess it probably shouldn't come as a surprise, there aren't enough detectives. The, the, the manpower. There literally aren't enough people to investigate all of the murders. This and is- I feel like when, you, when you're investigating a murder, you're a detective, I mean, that takes a long time to become a detective. A lot oh, yeah, of experience. You work your way up yeah, the chain, way, New if you will. hires can't just come in and start, you know, they can do the legwork maybe, ah. but you've got to have a senior officer on that case. They don't start at detective. Yeah, well, the right. problem is that the crime is so out of control, you need those senior officers to be doing other things. It's, it's kind of crazy that when you take a look at the number of murders... 797 homicides. God. Chicago police actually made fewer arrests than they did the prior year when there were fewer murders. They're, they're arresting, the murder rates that go, murders are going up and we're arresting fewer people for them. Like both of these lines are going in the wrong direction. It really makes the argument that there is a a fundamental issue in the way that we're dealing with crime in this city. And it's something that affects everyone. Everyone hears the stories. And you know what? It's no longer that neighborhood. It's no longer that part of town. These these things are happening everywhere. From a from a shootout at a mall, for God's sakes, to a, a carjacking on Lake Shore Drive. Like it can happen anywhere. So what is being done about it? It's interesting, again, when you take a look at the crime stats, if you will, the 2121 crime stats. What if I told you that some crime is actually down? Murders were down year to year. Murders are down, right? As of right now, we're, 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 we're pacing lower. Okay, good. Uh, but other crime has gone through the roof. And I thought this so was the problem with that, you know, murders. It's great that murders are down, right. shootings are down, but that, even though it's happening everywhere, that affects a small percent of people. The other crimes that are way up, 36% increase, those affect a lot more people. So that, that's what's what happening. Crimes you are know, those? Yeah, just thefts and armed robberies and burglaries, you know, more. It's a broader range of people that are affected now. Murders, you know, I don't know anyone who was murdered. Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. I know someone probably, yeah, I'm sure I know someone who was burglarized, mm. who their car was broken into, their car was carjacked. Yeah, those things. It's a, it's a wider group, which is why, you know, you affect more people. Well, now it's a, a bigger story, right? Here's the thing that, that, that I think also is, is getting lost in the numbers. The murders dropped about 5%, but shootings were up 17%. They just weren't good shots. They wasn't that they weren't. Listen, if you're shooting a gun at somebody, you know, very few of these these criminals we hear about are, you know, I just tried to wing them. You know, shootings are up. Murders are down. 
So you shot, you just didn't kill him. You, you know what I'm saying? That sounds like like by the that sounds more luck driven than it does uh, uh, p- law enforcement driven or deterrent driven. It sounds like we need a heck of a lot more detectives. Yes, you need the beat cops, but if you aren't solving these murders and you aren't finding the murderer within a reasonable amount of time, why wouldn't you assume that they're committing multiple murders? And, you know, beyond DNA, mm-hmm. there's just cameras everywhere. There, Seems like I mean, are. I get the there were, it was a time where people just didn't want to get involved. People, you know, they'd go door to door. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. They saw everything, but people did not. Well, you don't almost even need eyewitnesses. I mean, everything, you're... Everything is on video. It's crazy. How are they and getting away still, with this still? How are they getting away? I mean, I think a lot of it is, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's half and half. Maybe it's half that we don't have enough people investigating, enough officers and uh, detectives investigating. But it's this shift in the way we look at crime, not charging. Hey, good morning, Bruce and Judy with you. Is it foggy where you are? I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of pea soup. I would never eat it. But apparently the fog is as thick as it. Mm. I just think it. werewolves. That's what I think. Bug. It looks like the beginning be of a horror movie. Be careful for what jumps out. Well, if you're in Chicago, just be careful for in what general, jumps out. In, in general. general, it might not be your werewolf. So the Grammys were uh, Sunday night. And uh, uh, according to the ratings, none of you watched. But uh, there was a, a bit of a local tie to it. No, not Common, not Kanye. Oh, no, 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 no. Joining us right now is Trevor Nicholas, director of vocal ensembles at uh, Sen High School. Good morning, Mr. Nicholas. Good morning, Bruce and Judy. It's a joy to be with you. I wish I had an apple for you. I, I, we're going to get into a little bit about what you did. But, I, I, again, I mentioned in there, you were literally nominated for a Grammy for this this work that you did that I'm going to get into. But I just have to know, how do you find out that you're nominated for a Grammy? Is it an email? Is it a phone call? Does Ed McMahon's ghost knock on your door? What happens? Yeah, so the process of the Music Educator Award is a little bit different where you go through multiple rounds, and each round you find out in kind of a different way. And the moment you find out you're nominated, you get a call. In this case, it was from a a number I didn't know from Los Angeles, and I was like, I should pick this thing up. (laughs) And so I picked it up, and and I started to float as I could, you know, when somebody opens their mouth to to speak to you, and you can just hear joy and that, like, (laughs) good news is coming. And so they start to tell me, and above my head, I see these doors floating, and they're swinging open. And they are all opportunities for mm. this healing power of music for my students oh. and for what I've hoped to do with my whole life. And so it was just unbelievable. It's one of those moments you say you're speechless, but I, I had that in my mind's eye where this is going to push us. Let's let's circle back around then and talk a little bit about how you are using music to heal with your students. Explain to me the, the concept behind that. Right. Yeah. I want to start by saying we did this together, students, staff, art partners, and community members. I, I might be one of the, the driving forces uh, because I had early experiences in fifth grade. I was in, in a, a wheelchair and I learned in junior high how to create my own music as uh, a small town and I had a physical disability. And so I spent a lot of time inside when other kids were outside and I learned to connect with sound and to create and through the creative process and connecting with sound, I was able to uh, heal uh, mentally and, and eventually heal physically. I mean, I went from a, a wheelchair to doing a, a few half Ironman later, and I, <laughs> I absolutely love love swimming. Uh, it keep, keeps me alive. Um, but how do I do that with with my students? Uh, so in these bigger uh, 
uh, art arts projects, the Who Will Carry Me project and the cave. Uh, Who Will Carry Me, we were just a few weeks into quarantine, and we said, wow, it's really hard to do this online teaching thing. What if we build a project that is so uh, enticing to be a part of that we're, we're going to bring in uh, all the people that are locked out for legal reasons. Remote learning didn't allow the same access to the artists that would be you know, with us normally. And so we did the Who Will Carry Me project where we, uh, I wrote a piece for my students and then they helped arrange it. They added lyrics at the end. And then we had access points, entrance points for everybody, for dancers, uh, for spoken word, for adding harmonies, for doing lyrics, for talking about what's the vibe, what's the message. And so it was a big invitation into this project. And in that, we were gathering online, talking through, you know, what is our purpose in this? And so I would say that in this moment, these projects created community. We know that community is an insulating factor uh, against the effects of trauma mm. uh, during these times. And we have a lot of collective trauma. And so I think that the community was one of the main uh, aspects of that project, because once they recorded their parts alone and we did all the editing and we released it, suddenly we're together in audio and in video, we're seeing each other's faces and uh, what was a love letter to each other then was able to go outwards and be a love letter outwards and hopefully uplift others. Yeah, that your video is just it's stupendous. I mean, it's yes. and it's so funny how you say the healing power of music, because I, I like I watch that video and I want to cry. Oh, but I guess they're tears of joy right there. It's like just inspiring, I guess. It's, it's just a, well, it's amazing that you turned that into a Grammy, right? You took a <laughs> what was a bad thing and made it into a good thing. You, you know, I, if I back up, I realized that the, the music that I wrote that helped heal myself at a young age, I started to play publicly at some talent shows, uh, some nursing homes, and then hospitals, and pretty soon people were using the music. People in my hometown who had cancer, who were on hospice, would listen to it. Oh, and wow. what I realized is the same music that helped me heal could be a part of others' healing journeys. And so I was a month out from college. I wanted to be a physics major. Uh, my uncle is a physicist, and I absolutely looked up to him, and I love physics. But I realized that even in, in high school, my path had been bringing that music that helped heal me to others. And I didn't understand it. I'm still trying to understand it. I'm, I'm entering a research study trying to understand <laughs> some empirical evidence behind this trauma response of music uh, teaching stuff. But what I realized is that wouldn't it be cool to go out, explore it more, and then become a music teacher and help that same healing power be, I don't know, unleashed out there so that we could just have more of it. You are inspirational on a variety of levels. We're talking to Trevor Nicholas. Uh, uh, he's director of vocal ensembles at Sen High School. Grammy-nominated uh, teacher, by the way, might I point out, like that. You're gonna have to put that like on your business card. You know, the, the little, the little, the little thing they have on outside your classroom. We can put that right there. Grammy-nominated, Mr. Nichols, Nicholas. I, I think that needs to be on there everywhere you get introduced like that. You know, it, it's it's amazing when we think about music because I think music is a lot more powerful than maybe people even realize. You know, we've talked before about how uh, a song or just a clip of a song can like transport your mind can take you to a different place it sounds like you've not only tapped into that but you're even going deeper with that and realizing how music right. uh in in a variety of ways touches people right you know judy you mentioned something a little bit ago you said that when you watch the piece I, I said it bring you know uplift people and you said actually brought me to tears can i offer that maybe music and the arts allows us to grieve Ooh. allows us to process and when we process, then we're able to be more well afterwards.
that is a good point. Really, because I do find myself sobbing a lot when I watch these <laughs> these kind. Especially, I don't. It was uplifting, even though you know who will carry me. I mean, it was, but in a sense, it, I think you're right. It it hit me a different way, and I don't feel bad. I actually feel kind of good. So maybe I needed to get that cry out. Right. Wow. Yeah. And also and, that, that song, it was composed in my basement as <laughs> I was hearing these stories of my students who were really suffering. So it's not it's not like this song that's going to be the the jam on the dance floor, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's a it's a different different journey. There's so many different journeys in music education. This is a different one. Well, you were and doing you, you didn't win the Grammy, but boy, did you win, right? Yeah. You, look, I never imagined this. I am am absolutely amazed and shocked that I, I became nominated for a Grammy. But it's not about you know, Bruce. You're talking about you got to put it everywhere. And I think that that's true because it's going to unlock more doors, but it's never been about the award. It's been about bringing more access to more humans of the healing power of music and the arts. And I think that it's going to do some good work in that vein. And I want to talk about something happening Thursday. On Thursday, we're releasing the Cave Project. It's a sequel to Who Will Carry Me. And Judy, if Who oh, Will God, Carry Me... Oh, God, another sob you, for me. Yeah, if you, if you were like, that, oh, this, one, this one's even darker. Oh. You know, as, as we went through the pandemic, as right. it continued and continues... Things got harder and harder, and we want to respond to that, that. So this is our response to the impact of trauma and racial trauma on mental health. It features dancing, spoken word, instrumental music. We had uh, America's Got Talent semifinalist Sharon Irving and amazing uh, jazz trumpet player Marcus Carroll join us. So Thursday, 6 p.m., we launch. Nice. That's outstanding. You you're doing an amazing job for your for your students as well. Uh, you know, if they haven't all thank, thank you, you, they will. I promise you that. So what's coming up this hour? The Bears want Arlington Heights to pony up for their new stadium. Is it fair to make residents pay for the monsters of the Midway to make the move? And the Chicago Park District wants to seal a lawsuit against Mayor Lightfoot, keeping the public in the dark. We talked to our legal eagle, Rich Lenkoff, at 7.30. And baseball's opening day is coming up this Thursday, which means ticket scalpers are chomping at the bit to get your hard-earned dollar. Steve Burness of the Better Business Bureau has got the tip-off to the rip-off in just a few minutes. But first... A birth control pill for men Yay! has made Woo! its way to lab testing. But will guys actually use it? Will it come in nacho cheese flavor? Will it do that? Um, what do you guys think about you don't this? don't chew it. You just swallow it. 312-591-8900. 312-591-8900. A male contraceptive pill. Here's the immediate problem I thought of. I promise I'm on the pill. Right off the bat. Just well, I don't think you really want to get a girl pregnant, right? So No, you... but would you think guys would lie about it? Well, um... I know guys. They lie about the other thing. We would lie. Yes, yeah. of course we would okay. lie about it. Well, then you're going to have to pay the price. I mean, I think in this day and age, young men don't want to get young girls pregnant. So, yeah, then they might lie about it. So then you might have to take some other precautions. But not being, not having, oh, my gosh, it's revolutionary for women not to have to be the ones to take the pill. Because, you know, the pill has a lot of side effects, a lot of very bad, bad side effects. But Hopefully yours won't. Here's the thing. <laughs> when you're looking at the scale of who's impacted more by a pregnancy, doesn't the woman win that argument? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, ultimately, so why would you, you take the be, word of the guy? But I'm saying, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's not. my point. I'm like, yeah, why would well, you do that? Anything can happen, but it's you know, yeah, you're right. But it's I, I love this. I absolutely love this. Let the males have to worry about it for once, and I think after time, it will just become standard. It's being tested in mice right now. Poor things. You know, well, lab can't. rats, if you will. Poor things. They're probably like, finally, some birth control. We won't be getting micey uh, pregnant there. Yeah. Rob? We have added to the dating checklist. Are you fully vaccinated? Oh. Yes. To the man. And are you on the pill? Are you yes. on the pill? All right, let's go. To me, it's a two things I can't prove. I mean, and no. I think we're not thinking about this in the right way. Uh, you know, the probably the most time I was on birth control was when I was married. Oh. I mean, so when you're married, I think you, you know, if your husband isn't taking his pill and says he was, oh, well, there will be hell to pay for that. I won't there. <laughs> to me, it's a next number. It'll, next, it'll be snip snip it's if a, you don't it's take that. It's a numbers game. What it's, do you mean? Everybody thinks of, you should just think of it like this. So you're trying not to get pregnant. That is the goal, is that you don't want to get pregnant. Right. What better way to, so uh, I I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. It's like it's like having a gun and you have to shoot someone. Wouldn't you just rather take the bullets out of the gun than hope that the person you're shooting is wearing a bulletproof vest? Are you, are you saying shooting blanks? I'm not. <laughs> say, I'm not saying it. You said it. Your words, not mine. Here's but. the thing. Why it, it, being a female? My here's my number one. You know, my first reaction to this. Finally, yeah. Why it shouldn't be all on the female. It takes two to tangle and make a baby. So it's just the fact of, thank God, finally they're, you know, let the males shoulder some of the burden. I agree with Judy, but here's the biggest... Thank you, Rob. Stop talking, stop talking. You just said that's all you need to say. No, but here's (laughs) the biggest deterrent for any male who is thinking about lying, whether he is snipped or on contraceptives. The cost of raising a child. Oh, absolutely. That should be on a billboard above every bedroom. Here's what it's going to cost. Here's the dollar figure, the six figures uh, number. I I guarantee you that'll kill the mood. (laughs) You know how they have like smoking kills on uh, cigarette cigarette packs? Yeah, this is going to kill you. You should put that as a, a, instead of a deterrent, put it as a positive on uh, packs of Trojans and this contraceptive stuff. It's like, here, this is saving you. Thousand dollars a year. <laughs> oh my gosh! It'd be a marketing genius. Uh, well, but really, I think the the point here is hopefully this male contraceptive pill will will because, like I said, the female contraception it's not good. They've not mastered yet something that won't really cause harm to women in the long run. The, these are the words I heard after you have breast cancer. Stop taking the pill. Oh, that was those are the second things my that was the second thing my doctor said, because the, the whole hormone thing and so hopefully with may the male contraceptive pill will be less invasive and won't have any side effects and it'll we'll all be happy, right? Yeah. It's a pill. What is your problem? Well, I, I, I don't have a problem. I take plenty of pills. Like, oh. the, 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 again, the problem would we be we could make a taco flavor on the on the, again. I just think that it, yes, it takes two to tango. But a pregnancy is a health condition for a woman. Why would you take the word of the man? I just don't understand. I, I, you know. And I, I, as a woman, I'm saying, why does it have to be all on me? Because you're the one that gets pregnant. Okay. Well, here the here's the other thing. Then I I won't. I'll make sure I don't get pregnant. I mean. You gotta have you just because you gotta have some skin in the game. Just because it's the I'm the one who gets pregnant doesn't mean you don't have to have bear any of the burden. I didn't say that. I just said you bear a majority of the right. burden because you're the one that gets pregnant. But so to help out, you should start by taking that pill. 
to help out. And then I'll, uh, yeah. They're not sure if guys will use it. There's actually been some studies out there about, you know, would they take it? I think the, initially the issue is going to be what are those side effects, whatever they might be, uh, you know, whatever it is. Are they long term, et cetera, et cetera. I think that would be the, the, the barrier to entry, I think, for a lot of guys out there is, is okay. What, what, the health risks, of yeah, course. Like I anything. mean, what else? Well, yeah, it? believe me, we've been taking them forever. Yeah, with the pill. But this one obviously works differently, you know. Uh, um, you know, in it how were, it prevents pregnancy. Obviously, if it were me, I would take the pill and have my, you know, if I were married and young and not wanting to have kids yet, I would take the pill and have my husband take the pill. Yeah, just stack the deck in yeah, your favor. That's right, yeah. I can, absolutely. I can see the commercials now. A dude fumbling around with a condom versus simply <laughs> taking a pill. Yeah. There's your marketing. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. They say that yeah. th- this pill affects men's hormones and that becomes an issue for guys you know it's I mean, been an issue could, for us forever that could be a thing so yeah <sighs> uh we'll find out I we're it. getting a little bit closer all right uh that a male contraceptive male birth control pill may be one step closer to making it to the uh to the market and we will find out about that i've already got the perfect one bruce what do you mean it's the called perfect one the perfect right? contraceptive it's called my <laughs> personality <laughs> Keeps <laughs> keeps them away. Nice. Yeah. Oh, it's like an antidote. Right? <laughs> you, know, you know how some guys have it? You know, yeah. they just have it. They got it. Brad Pitt has it. You have the antidote to it. Exactly. You've got, uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. You've got the antidote. Concern yourselves not. <laughs> and a good morning. A uh, happy foggy Tuesday to you. Bruce and Judy with you. What is revenge travel, and are you engaged in it? What do your travel plans look like for the rest of the year? 312-591-8900. I guess we first should start with, what is revenge travel? Because I think we're seeing the impacts of it almost everywhere right now. Right. It's it's kind of like almost revenge against COVID, right? Like, ha. Huh. You had me for two years, but guess what? I'm getting my revenge. I'm going to be traveling for the next two years. I'm going everywhere. Oh, I'm taking a revenge trip in just a couple of weeks here. And it is a revenge trip because it's all of us. There's four of us. And we're like, oh, finally, we can leave and go. And, you know, still, which is funny, not like going to some crowded resort, but we're going kind of to a deserted island. But anyway, just to be a little bit on the safe side. But it's even the fact of going. I mean, I didn't even want to make plans even even just a few months ago not knowing are things going to be shut down again what's going to be happening now i feel like i don't nothing i've crossed i've crossed a bridge as well because i'm planning a trip to europe and i haven't previously because my concern was well i make this whole trip and then Mm-hmm. They like cancel flights to Europe right. or maybe even worse or better, depending on how you guys look at it. I get over there and I can't come back. You, you know what I'm saying? Something changes and, you know, I've, I've got to quarantine for three months, uh, whatever. Uh, so now I'm screw it. I'm going. Either. <laughs> I'm just yeah, that's go. the revenge part. Yeah. Well, think of all the people who have. I know my son was supposed to go to Mexico. I don't know. Two years ago. He still like he has the people still have like these trips that are just have been there kind of. Oh, they, d- yeah, they, yeah, they, they didn't trip get credit. exactly a trip it. credit, but I mean, they still kind of are planning on going sometime. So I think that's the revenge part. We we've got an attitude now. We're traveling with an attitude. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> you tell them. Well, how about you guys? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. Anyone taking a trip? 
soon as revenge against COVID? The uh, uh, the, the airline tickets, the hotels, the rental mm-hmm. cars, mm-hmm. and the campsites and national parks are echoing this revenge travel because, to put it nicely, everything is packed. Yeah, well, with the great outdoors... COVID definitely got people outside, which is a good thing. That's a positive. I mean, yeah, I can't tell you how many people, and probably I did a couple of road trips, how many, not really to camp or anything, but a lot of people I know did. Hiking, camping, they went to all these state and national parks. I went to Yosemite in 2020, late 2020. So mm-hmm. right, you know, when we this was all going to kill us, I'm like, well, right. if I'm going to die, I want to see Yosemite first. So I, I went to Yosemite, but here's what I found out. A lot of these parks, and, and I don't know if this comes as a surprise to people, some of the big popular parks, mm-hmm. Yosemite, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, you know, some of the, the big ones. You can't just walk up and go in. Uh, that no. was news to me. I'm like, what do you mean? No, you have to have a reservation. Yeah. Okay, where do I go to get a reservation? Look online. What do you mean there's no reservations for the next six months? Like, it is literally that crazy and right it now. It is st- still like that. Yes. I mean, you have to have a right. Yeah, that that is kind of surprising. A to reservation me too. to get into into the park, right? A big I thought you empty could, area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some of the even the state places, you, you yeah. know, like they just started charging at the uh, the dunes here in Indiana. Oh, yeah. So don't forget that part too. Not only can you have to have a reservation, it's going to cost you. And I wonder if you know, like some of these have campsites, and that's really hard to find a, oh, a, a, yeah. a you know, a literally a spot to camp. I in. think camping in the Grand Canyon's got to be. Maybe a couple years out. I mean, yeah. that's that's hugely popular. Well, and and you can't but just will that pitch be impacted by the price of gas. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm like trying to well, balance the two. Yeah, you that's know? interesting. Although you drive your camper to the Grand Canyon. What's Woof. what's more expensive, gas or an airline ticket? I mean, before you would say an airline ticket's cheaper. Not, but not no, anymore. It, not if you're maybe depending it on last where you're minute. going. Yeah, and depending on where you're going. Oh, but it's not even last minute. There are certain locations right now. As the guy who flies a lot, and I know how much plane tickets cost on average, because I fly in a lot of the same places. Mm-hmm. How much is it to L.A.? How much is it to Phoenix? How much is it to Washington D.C.? I kind of have a good two to three times right now is what tickets are going. Even for. if you go out a couple oh, months, oh, I, I could I could book for October right now. Interesting. Yeah. It is pretty and, crazy. Well, maybe is that also based on the the gas, the whole oil? I thing? wonder if yeah. that's part of it as well. Be. Might, it could, could very so, yeah, well be. The great outdoors could be impacted by by the gas prices. I, and you, and we know that prices always go up in the summer just for the different yeah. gas they use. The so blend. yeah, but I, I don't know. I think again, we'll get. Let's circle back to the revenge traveling. People might be like, I don't care. Well, I, I will pay that gas because that's exactly. Damn it, I'm going somewhere. That's exactly where we're at. Yeah. And 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 folks who are getting sticker shock from looking at at airline or re- uh, they're just they're, they're you know what they're doing. Well, I didn't spend it last year, yeah, so I'll just spend it now. Exactly. Y- you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And the, by the way, you know, we get back to uh, Econ 101 every once in a while. If you're willing to pay for it, it's not too expensive. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if so, and and the airlines and the rental car companies and the hotels are saying, "Hey, if you don't want to pay it, no problem. Please get out of the way. There's a large line of people behind right. you." Right. With you waving hundred dollar bills at yeah. us, you know, so there, there, there is a lot of demand, and you would think this would be an opportunity for these industries and companies to increase capacity. I mean, you got so many people and you can't do it, but then you run into a manpower issue where there just aren't the people to do it, and so 
you've got this kind of yin and yang. You've got these two factors working on on one another. Where uh, and I think I mentioned the other day I was I, I met a flight attendant on an American flight, and I'm like, you know, every flight's packed. You know, there aren't enough flights. There used to be ten flights a day. Now there's six. You know, why why aren't there more? And he goes. We just don't have the people. We we don't we don't have enough crew. We don't have enough pilots. People were furloughed and never came back. People left because they didn't want to be in the airline industry. Well, for whatever reason, yeah. he goes, we just don't have the humans. Gonna, that's going to have to change though, because it's it's going to be. I went to a resort during the pandemic, and I okay, I forgave them a lot of things when it came to that. They didn't have the staff. Things didn't get done. A lot of things, things were closed. Open. Right? Oh, it was horrible. I'm not going to be so kind. Paying double the price now. That same resort, because I want to go back, it's double the price mm. for this year. Okay, but you better have some services there. Take me out to the okay, good morning to you. A happy Tuesday. Despite the weather. You know, it's baseball season, for goodness sakes. Bruce and she with you. And uh, actually, opening day, slightly delayed, dare I say. And... Looking at the weather the last couple weeks, maybe we ought to be happy for that. Mm-hmm. Thursday, Thursday night, uh, baseball season is going to kick off. But it's supposed to snow, just so you know. Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> and for, um, you know, and, and as is how things work, scammers see an opportunity in the beginning of baseball. Joining us right now, Steve Burtis, the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Chicago. Uh, first off, good morning to you, Steve. Good morning. How are you, sir? Excellent. Thank you. Can you tell me how in God's green earth or why I need to be concerned if I'm headed out to a, a Sox or a Cubs game? Well, unfortunately, what happens time and time again, the scammers, you know, have those fake tickets or allege that you got these great seats. Uh, now, you know, most of the ballparks are the MLB, you know, electronic tickets. Yeah. But there's still fake tickets out there and fake memorabilia, uh, for as well. Um, so, so you wait, are there still physical tickets for games or does everything have to be a digital ticket? I, I, for some reason, I thought everything had to be like on your phone these days. Yeah, everything's on your phone as well, but it seems consumers don't know what to look for. So they get these electronic uh. tickets. They think it's an electronic ticket when it's actually not. And there's a lot of fake websites uh. that pop up. And then you look at Craigslist. And I looked this morning. There's a lot of tickets available on Craigslist. And it's like bar- buying in a dark alley. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't buy anything from a dark alley, you know, like Judy does. But, um, <laughs> you know, some people do. That's where you get the good stuff, that. Steve, just so you know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, okay, so well, this comes up every year, opening day. That you know, it's you got to think it's gotten better though, right? Because it's all electronic, right. or what? When you go to the ballpark now, it used to be, you know, hey, I've got two tickets. They the kind of you know underhandedly, and you give them the cash and you take the tickets. Now it's like a a, a code, right? So I got to think it's it's happening less. It is happening less, but it's still around. I think people don't want to rest on their laurels and saying that's gone completely. And don't forget, there's also the concert season, a lot of La Palooza and all the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, consumers don't know what to look for. And when Good they're point. buying it and they and they send money to somebody quickly, and if you use the Venmo app or those apps, once you send the money to somebody, you freely give it to them. The tickets are, are not there or never come up with tickets. Guess what? You're responsible for it. They're not going to help you and give your money back like they put on a credit card. 
How, uh, but how hard is that to figure out? I mean, because everything, <laughs> again, going back to everything's electronic, you know, because I think people can sell tickets, right? It's not illegal to sell a ticket at face value. It's just how do you, the buyer, know that it's all legit? Mm. You got to trust the seller. I mean, you got to know the seller itself. So we, we suggest you deal with the venue itself, like the ballparks themselves or a licensed ticket broker. And again, all of them have their safety and guarantees that, you know, it's 100% guaranteed or your money back if it's a fake ticket. But if you deal with somebody on Craigslist or... Or Kevin in the dark alley. alley. Yeah, Yeah, Kevin in the dark alley. I should what? I should let him go finally? Right. (laughs) You you should really not do business with people you don't really know and Mm -hmm. and that they're not a licensed ticket broker because that can, you're buying from somebody you don't know and... And once you, you know, mail them the money or not mail the money, the use a Venmo app, so those cash apps, the money's gone. You don't, like your credit card, you think you have protection. You don't have protection, Judy, and that's why people get scammed. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I just, I, I tend to agree with you because, you know, I remember, you know, the kind of the barrier that was broken the first time I bought a ticket electronically. And I remember going. And like this isn't gonna work. Right. I just don't believe beep, this is beep, real. Beep, and they're yeah. like, beep, they scan me in. I'm like, that works. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, like, but I admit, maybe I, you know, whether it's you want to get Bulls tickets or you want to get Sox tickets or you want to go to a Hawks game or you know, well, how do you know that that ticket you have, that electronic ticket, basically an email or or a, a something that shows up on an app, is real? I don't know if we have enough experience being able to figure out what's fake and what's real. I, I admit that. Yeah, I admit it too. I wouldn't know the difference either. You're just trust on that, you know, the app that you have that ticket on. But the key to it, Bruce, is that you're buying from a well-known person or a person that you know and trust. And that's the difference. Okay. If you're buying from somebody you never met or buying them off Craigslist, it's it's like, you know, you like you wouldn't do that normally down in dark alley. Why would you do it? <laughs> Because I, really yeah. I really want to go but to the game. I really want to go to the game. And it's true. Steve <laughs> says, you know, I've had tickets um, transferred to me, but it, you're right. It's through that organization, through the through you know, ticket master. Or yeah, ticket master. whatever. Yeah, yeah, so you know. Okay. So, you know, we were just talking about vacations too, Steve, and I know there are lots of scams now since we're all wanting to go someplace and travel. What are those scams we have to watch out for? What happens is everybody waits to the last minute and then they go online and try to find cheap rooms or cheap airfare. And that's where the scammer buys those ads. And, uh, they, they, you know, say they have all these, you know, rooms available or all these plane tickets available on their fake website. So again, it's the same thing doing your due diligence. Who are you buying from itself? Uh, you have to do your research and homework and check with the Better Business Bureau and other sources. But if you wait to the last minute, and that's where usually the scammers usually, uh, you know, come out of the woodwork. And this year, complaints, the monetary value looks like they're about 183% over last year in losses already. So it, it's getting bigger and bigger. And a lot of it's, you know, sending the money through cash apps. And once you send it, like anything else, if you have, you don't know that person and you don't trust that entity, don't send it. Because you don't have protection like you do on your credit card. Still, please use your credit card if at all possible, even over a debit card. Because you're, when you fight a dispute on your credit card, it's the bank's money you're fighting with. You're disputing on your own debit card, your own money, and held up in your bank, and oh. therefore you can't pay your bills. Steve Burnus, uh, president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau here in Chicago. And you talk about those, those, those travel plans. You talk about it. It just strikes me that, you know, whenever I hear you talk about things like this, I'm reminded of the, if it's too good to be true, 
It is. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, hey, look, I got a ticket, a, a hotel room for $49 at Orlando to go see at Disneyland. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, you got to You got to use a little bit of common sense in there. Yeah, there, you got to use common sense, but unfortunately, there is no common sense sometimes out there. And consumers believe they see something on the internet, or they want to believe that particular person that they're truthful and honest. But you can't tell the difference between a scammer and a regular person. I mean, they look like Judy, the scammers, and you can't mm. tell the difference. <laughs> we look um, so it, trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, people think, well, I can re- look at the website. You can't. You cannot look at a website and tell it's fake. You got to do the research behind it. And, and if the offer seems to be true, like you said, Bruce, it usually is, but people are so desperate sometimes. They want those tickets or they want this memorabilia or this vacation or this room or this, you know, this hotel. They'll do anything to get it, unfortunately. Steve, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. All Thanks, right, Steve. so be careful. Scammers out there looking to part you from your hard-earned money, whether you want to go to a, 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 a opening day baseball game or whether you're, you're planning that vacation. Do be careful. And Gotta again, be a smart consumer. The Better Business Bureau, the website bbb.org uh, has a lot of information on there. And uh, you can also check and say, like, is this real? You know, and look and see if other people have reported some of these things as well. Hey, good morning to you and a, uh, a happy Tuesday. A dense fog advisory is in effect until about 11 o'clock. Maybe you didn't need to, need to do that, right? And we're just a few minutes away, about, uh, let's say, seven minutes away from our national 25K giveaway. All you're doing is listening for that national keyword. It's coming up at the top of the hour, and your chance at 25 big ones. But if you That'll buy you about a week's worth of groceries. If you don't get the national <laughs> keyword... You can't get the cash, all right? So I'll be listening for that coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, joining us right now in studio, thankfully, is Rich Lenkoff, a partner at uh, Bryce Downey and Lenkoff. Do you know that other Lenkoff that's in the name? Do you know that person, right? It's a weird coincidence, but I, <laughs> I, I, I do. Actually, we just changed our firm name. It's now uh, Downey Lenkoff, so easier for you to pronounce. R.I.P. Bryce. I did that because of you, because I, I knew I was coming in. So. Another one in there. So, yes, Rich Lenkoff, partner at... Downey and Lenkoff, and uh, you've been a, a great legal explanationist for us because you know when any get into the law, it gets a little bit uh, convoluted and confusing for us lay people. Uh, and one of the things that we've been paying attention to and looking at is the trial for the Parkland gunman is underway. Now, when I heard that, I will imagine go trial. Didn't we already convict this guy? Well, he actually pled guilty, so there was no trial to determine guilt. But in Florida, there's a trial to determine the punishment phase. Correct. He's facing, uh, at the minimum, life in prison without the possibility of parole in the shooting of 17, the killing of 17 people in Parkland now four years ago. Uh, the trial will decide whether he faces the death penalty. So it's at least, again, life in prison without parole. But the jurors, once they're selected, will have to determine whether he is actually sentenced to death. And that's the uh, the point of having the trial. I mean, normally you wouldn't have a trial for sentencing. You would just be sentenced, but it's because it's a death penalty case? Correct. Um, death penalty cases in Florida do require a trial, even though, as you said, he already pled guilty. Uh, to, to everything. He pled guilty correct. to every charge they, they gave him. Correct. What, is, the, what does that mean in terms of, what does that say to the jury in a death penalty case? It's a great question. You know, the reason that he did plead guilty uh, is because he's looking for some sympathy, right? He's looking for mm. some points from the jury 
the jury will consider factors in mitigation. That's what their job will be to determine whether he faces life in prison without uh, parole versus the death penalty. So the fact that he pled guilty and did not put the family through the additional trauma of a trial will be considered. On the other hand, the evidence was so overwhelming yeah. that he played that he was guilty that it doesn't really amount to much. So I think the jury will see through that and probably won't give him much credit for pleading guilty. He's Rich Lenkoff, a uh, partner at the newly named Downey and Lenkoff. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, with us, our, our legal explanation is, you know, one of the arguments his defense is making, and they might have a solid argument, is can he get a fair trial in this community? I mean, you want to talk about something that uh, impacted the this this community parkland and stoneman douglas and 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 ripple effect 17 people killed is it possible to get a quote fair trial in that area yeah it's a great question that's always the issue when you're dealing with a very high profile case and i don't think there's anyone certainly in that county but probably on the planet earth who hasn't heard about this case uh and who probably hasn't made up their mind that being said the question isn't for the jury whether they have heard of the case it's whether they could put aside that knowledge and any preconceived notions of guilt or innocence and simply decide this case based on the evidence. That's admittedly hard. It's hard to do, isn't it? Of course it, it is. Um, <laughs> that's that's how do. our jury system is put forth. So yeah. already we heard yesterday of several, you know, dozens of jury members who said either they can't do that or they just can't take off the months and months. It's expected that this will take until September. Really? The jury, months. the voir dire process alone, the jury selection will take probably a month or two. So it's a lot to ask of a juror, okay. not only to not have made up your mind, but to basically take, you know, a few months of your life off. Mm. Well, not to mention to decide if someone should be put to right? death. I mean, and that's oh. really the key, right? That's where it, you're going to have kind to decide. If so, yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Um, and, and yeah, it, God, the, the length of time is a little bit shocking, but it's Florida. I hate to say it. Florida. I don't know that it'll last that long or that it will be that difficult only because it, it's a death penalty state. I mean, we don't even have the death penalty here. And I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that they probably, um, I mean, uh, ruling on death is not that rare in Florida. They right. use their death penalty there. They yeah. use it for sure. Um, the, the reason why it's take it's going to take so long is just, again, given the sheer volume of uh, jurors, I think it's. I think I thought a thousand people were on the on the list. Yeah, and, you know, because actually, okay, it's such a small community, and again, so many people I've heard of it. They have to widen that that base, and there are so many factors involved in this case. Even though it seems fairly simple, right? I mean, he shot them. Um, he does have a long history of issues. He was posting on social media these threats beforehand, so there's a lot to wade through. At the end of the day, though, I think it's a fairly simple issue. Uh, again, Rich Lenkoff is with us, our uh, our legal explanationist. I'm just curious, as an attorney, where do you come down on the death penalty? You know, I try to put my personal feelings aside when we're dealing with legal analysis. But, you know, personally, I think that um, the the jury has to follow the law. The law in that state is that there is a death penalty. So if they find that he qualifies, then they should enforce the law. Personally, I'm not in favor of the death penalty necessarily because I don't think that, it, especially in school shooting cases, it's interesting because most school shooting um, suspects or shooters kill themselves. Or, so or yeah, yeah, they, right. They, that's or, part of the plan, right? So when you think of the deterrent effect of imposing the death penalty, you wonder if that is really accomplished when you know that the next person is likely to shoot themselves. So. 
you know, uh, okay. I, I I think that's a, a question. Point. I tend know. to be I tend to be with you on that. I also tend to say that the, how long it gets dragged out, the amount of money, all that goes into it, is it is it worth it? For lack of a better term, right. On the other hand, though, who are we not to be the victims? Thankfully, of this kind of uh, crime, to say if I was the victim of this crime and my fourteen year old, fifteen year old was the victim, yeah. I might, I would inevitably feel differently. differently. Well, and it's interesting. I generally support the death penalty if they plead guilty. But you just made me think now because maybe he's pleading guilty for sympathy and not because he feels he's guilty, but just because he doesn't want to get death. So you have to take that into account. You know, what struck me was during his, uh, when he pled guilty, he was given time to talk and it was kind of a long, bizarre rant. And one of the things that he said that struck me was that he can't even watch TV anymore. Wow. You know who else can't watch TV anymore? Yeah. Or do anything? Those 17, 17 people that get brutally exactly. killed. So um, it's rough, for sure. I hear you. Rich, appreciate your time this Thank morning. You. Thank you so much. Rich Lenkoff, a partner at Bryce. Excuse me, Downey and Lenkoff. There we go. I got it I got it right finally, I say Lenkoff right? and Downey, but that's just me. Yeah. Hey, good morning to you. And a happy, foggy Tuesday. We're going to jump into the 8 o'clock hour, and here's what's coming up. Joe Walsh wants to have an honest conversation with you. And he joins us at 845 to talk about how you can get in on some real discussion and a great dinner to boot. Murders are just aren't getting solved in the city of Chicago. What are Kim Fox and the CPD doing to address violent crime? And what about the rise in thefts and carjackings? We take a look at 830. And the Bears are already hinting they may want Arlington Heights to pony up a little bit of money for their new stadium. Is it fair to make residents pay for the new Chicago Bears stadium? All right. But first, you may be seeing... Yet another stimulus check. I don't even know what version we're on anymore in the near future, but this time coming from the state of Illinois. The Illinois Senate has proposed a massive tax cut, including checks and freezes on taxes for groceries, school supplies, etc. And here to break it all down, hey, it's Justin Kaufman from Axios Chicago. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Judy. Hello, Justin. I, I literally don't know which <laughs> stimulus version we're on. I don't know how many checks have been going out. They've been handing them out for years. The difference being is they were from the federal government before, but this one might be coming directly from the state of Illinois. Yeah, via the federal government. Remember, the federal government gave uh, tons of cash to states uh, as part of the federal pandemic relief fund. And a lot of the states didn't actually have a stimulus or, or, or a surplus. They don't know what to do with it. And so instead of you know investing it into other things, I, there might be some limits on what you can do. They're giving it right back to the taxpayers. It's a two point eight or um, excuse me, one point eight billion dollar tax cut program that came from the Senate. Now this is not past the Senate. This was proposed late Friday night. This is essentially a, a, a this you could see as a, a family of four up to three hundred dollars. Oh, wow. it, it's really it's really wide too. Like it goes from something like. You know, anyone who's making up to 50000 up to 500000 oh, wow. so, uh per family. So it's not one of these, you know, targeted direct type stimuluses. It's to everybody. Yeah, because people and, making 500000 need a $100 check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but there's a lot in this. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. You're talking about uh, the, a, a direct payment stimulus check. You're talking about property owners could see $300 in property tax relief checks. Grocery taxes would be suspended for six months. 
alongside a suspension of gas tax increases, meaning, you know, every year uh, around July, the, there's an increase that kicks in uh, with the gas tax. They would suspend that. And there's also, this is, this is what blows my mind. The state would freeze taxes on school supplies and clothes for 10 days in August for, for back to school, essentially hmm. to help families who are trying to get kids back into the classroom. So all of this coming from state Democrats who are, uh, you know, feverishly getting ready here for this, uh, I guess this would be rush week, the final week of special <laughs> have to pass. Yeah, they have to pass uh, for the, the, the governor's proposal and a budget for the, for the fiscal year. So this would, this would be part of the spending program. This is what's in there. There's a lot still that has to happen. It hasn't passed the Senate. The House. Well, it seemed to have come as a surprise, Justin, to yeah, the Senate, right. right? And the governor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Rich Miller from Capital Facts, you know, reporting that the governor's office was not briefed on this, uh, that the House got a phone call. Uh, the Speaker Welch got a phone call 30 minutes before the press conference. So this isn't some orchestrated uh, Democrat move to to put this into a budget. This is the Senate acting, mm. seems like, on their own. So we'll see how that plays in. You've already seen kind of uh, tepid uh, you know, if you're putting, putting your toe in the water for both the governor's office and the House, they, they're kind of picking and choosing different things to talk about as opposed to the whole package. So we'll see how it plays out. Today will be a big day to see whether or not the Senate passes this, which they will. I mean, remember, we all know this. The Democrats own the majority right. in, in all chambers and the governor. So if they're all, if they do get on, it really just comes down to them getting on the same page. But if they do, this could become a reality. Wow. Well, might the, might the governor be like, ah, hold on a second there. I could use that yeah. money elsewhere. And maybe. And, and also Republicans have, have been smart to point out that this, you know, they, they say this is an election year stunt. And you'll hear that uh, rhetoric a lot when you're talking about sure. the other side of the aisle. But in this case, these checks checks would drop. All the stuff would drop in the fall. It would drop in September and October. And if you, you know, we have a uh, general election in November. And as as uh, Speaker or Leader McConchie in the uh, Senate uh, said in the statement, a lot of this stuff is temporary. That right after the election day, uh, some of this stuff goes right back to the way it was. So there is some thought that the governor might want to stay away from election gimmicks but again there's probably no better gimmick than putting hundreds of dollars into mm-hmm. the taxpayers hands, yeah. Yeah. Uh, willie wilson style if you will before the before the election i was gonna say yeah you, you vote for me by the way here's the check you know yeah. i mean and, and that is an issue because here's what i don't i guess i don't understand we're talking to justin kaufman from axios chicago uh i'm all in favor of tax cuts full stop period but I'm also in favor of cutting spending because it, I don't understand how you can cut taxes and give away money, but not talk about cutting any of the spending that's going on because the, the taxes aren't the issue. The spending is. The taxes are to cover up for it. Yeah, the, the governor in his proposed budget back in February referenced this as well as Democrats on, in the Senate when they made this announcement that they've been fiscally uh, responsible that they've paid down their bills and that they've actually seen a surplus in tax revenue because of slowdowns in, in different parts of the sector and the economy bouncing back after the pandemic. So they're saying this is responsible. It'd be irresponsible for them to hold out to the money, uh, bank it, keep it in the, you know, uh, for, for a rainy day. They'd rather give it back because of the, the way that the pandemic has played out. They'd rather give it back to the Illinois taxpayers who at the end of the day are the ones who are fitting the bill anyway. Mm. So, so if, we're, if we're getting money from the federal government, and uh, you know, that's actually our taxpayer money that's coming to Illinois, so they see it as giving it right back to us. Right, the vicious circle, but in this case it's the, you know, the good circle because we get it back. So the bottom yeah. line here, Justin, how likely is this to get done? You never know in the final week of spring <laughs> session. This is a strange year because they usually end around Memorial Day. 
But this year, because they have the primary, they back that primary up to June 28th. It's usually before the session starts in February, if you're uh, Illinois history mm-hmm. of, of political primary. But because they wanted to back it up because of the pandemic and other factors, there's a new law that says you can't raise money while the session is in uh, in session. When the <laughs> That's is, why they're closing right, up shop early. Right, exactly, because they know there's an election coming up on June 28th, and they all need to get on the campaign trail. So they're wrapping up this Friday, which is a month and a half earlier than usual. And so they have, I mean, who knows during the final week. I think you might see something like this. Mm. That, it was a big splash on Friday. And it's in line with the governor's proposal, budget proposal. There might be tweaks here and there. I know some of the House members are already talking about an expansion of the earned income tax credit uh, for lower income families. That That's something that's being uh, bounced around. So I think you might, you probably are going to see some sort of either stimulus or tax cut that is uh, very prevalent in the budget, I guess the budget proposal that will be signed by Pritzker. I guess on Friday or Monday, whenever they're done with this process. Thanks, Justin. I guess I, I'm going to take from this, and I'm I'm just slightly uh, uh, pleased that this isn't being driven by Pritzker, some sort of a, a an election year gamble on his part, uh, a gimmick. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, here's here's some money. Vote for me for re-election. I, I'm going to just gonna, I'm going to just say I'll take that as a little victory in there. How's that? <laughs> but we'll see how and, it, and how keep, it turns and out. Keep your school shopping till uh, August. late August, <laughs> yeah, or, uh, early That's August. That's usually when I get. My- my school clothes yeah, yeah that's get, when you get your school clothes yeah i'll be i'll be down at gap for kids uh doing that hey justin appreciate your time this morning thank you thanks bruce thank you thanks. justin kaufman with axios chicago hey good morning to you remember a uh dense fog advisory in effect until about 11 o'clock so uh do be careful out there to it's dense. It's fog. Bruce and Judy with you on a Tuesday. And uh, the Bears continue their slow march to the suburbs. A uh, uh, proposal, if you will, uh, some agreements in place to move the team to Arlington Heights. Here's a question. If you live in Arlington Heights or you live in the area, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to pay? For the Bears to move there, 312-591-8900. Why do I say that? Well, because the Bears are already at least hinting at, well, uh, what are you guys going to do for us if we uh, we move the stadium out there, right? Uh, what kind of bennies can we expect? What sort of tax breaks? Hey, is there any public money that might be able to go into paying for what inevitably might be a billion dollar or more stadium? That's kind of the going rate. The last couple stadiums built have been billion dollar stadiums. Uh, and the Bears are, after initially saying, well, we're going to do all this on our own, are now starting to say, Maybe we could use a little bit of public. Yeah, did they say they were going to do it on their own? Because I always thought that they would ask for something, and because yeah. everyone does. And you know what? That time is over. What do you mean? I just I know there there's some legislation in Congress to stop this using taxpayer money for sports stadiums. I just I think people have gotten over it. You well, know, as, not, even it, more than you know. I think most of us when, say, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's not yeah, worth maybe it. Maybe when we were flushed and we were like, yeah, we want them to be here, but no, nah, I don't think that's the the way it is anymore. Because and these teams make a gazillion dollars. What are they? What's what do they have their hand out for? Yeah, what are the, what are the bears out? If you don't ask, you won't get. Exactly. So just, yeah, so maybe just, maybe just they ask. need to be. Yeah, they need to be told. No, you're right. Think about this too. Um, Rob, the infrastructure that's going to have to surround that stadium, right? 
that's going to all Roads fall and everything. on yeah. Yeah. the county, yeah. the state. The I mean, it's all yeah, they pay for all that. That's the yeah. Oh, it's but the Judy, state. Those it's, are good paying union jobs, right? Build those roads. I guess. Come on now. But my point being, they're already getting that benefit because that I'm sure yeah. that'll be the, that cost will be picked up by us. So they don't get to. I, I don't think. And you know, quite frankly, it's not me. I don't live in Arlington Heights. I, I'm thinking about the people who live in Arlington Heights. They're going to be going. Mm, wait a second. All that tax money we could be getting, you're going to be giving to them because that's probably what it's what it's going to result in. You know, they don't have to pay taxes, or they can use their what they would have paid for tax to build their stadium. Mayor Tom Hayes said, um, "We're still in the process of evaluating what we might be able to do from a financial perspective. We want to make this happen." Referring to the move of the Bears to Arlington Heights, so we'll have to see what their needs and our abilities are. And try to balance the two. I mean, I think the reality is, unlike the city of Chicago or Los Angeles or New York or Dallas or Miami, Arlington Heights doesn't have that much money that they can hand over. You know, I mean, they, they could probably do tax breaks or just not, you know, basically let them let them ride for free uh, in there. But I don't know if they have a lot of money they can hand over. You know what I'm saying? Like well, some of the bigger cities I can do. tell you, I'm sure people in Arlington Heights pay a pretty high property tax. I don't think they're going to be interested in paying. It ain't going down. Right. They're not going to be interested in spending more money. And Rob, help me out here. Yeah. Didn't we pay for the racetrack in terms of, it was a gambling thing, right? When, when we okayed casinos, didn't we give like... The racetracks, tons of money to offset what they said they were going to lose because of that. I'm sure. There's always a give and take. But look, the the devil's in the details. So, you know, initially, at first blush, you think, man, why would the people of Arlington Heights give up so much for just a few games a year? Eight Mm -hmm. to nine NFL football games. But don't forget, that venue will also be used for concerts for other sorts of entertainment. Yeah. It'll right. be a destination, you're, for you're, sure. You're, you're selling it. Don't and, get me and wrong. Don't forget, too, <laughs> no, whatever deal is structured uh, between the Bears and Arlington Heights, if this comes to fruition, there will be tax benefits on the sale of tickets and parking and all of that sort of thing going back to Arlington Heights in, in, in all likelihood. In the, the form the, of taxes, right, on, in on, the long right. run. Right. Yeah, the problem is, is true. every study that's ever been done on this shows that taxpayer-funded sports stadiums are not a good deal for the taxpayer. Well, all we have to, They're not at, a good deal for the city. They Chicago. never pay out. Yeah, well, let's just, <laughs> you know? What does Chicago get from the Bears right now? Not very much in terms of taxes. Like if the Bears were to pick up and leave tomorrow and walk away from Soldier well, Field, yeah. as far as from an economic standpoint... It would barely register as a yeah. blip in Chicago. And that might end up being the same for Arlington Heights. It might not be worth the headache. Mm. It's interesting because, you know, the, while we're doing that, and and you hear a lot of people saying, I just don't see us ponying up more money. Because, by the way, you know, we're still on the hook for a heck of a lot of money already. The, what was it, almost $700 million that went into the... um uh, re reimagining, rebuilding of Soldier Field. That was taxpayer money, right? That was to keep the Bears happy, for goodness sakes. We still owe 400 some odd million dollars on that. And that that was it was in 2003. Don't make me do the math. That was a long time ago. At this rate, we'll pay it off in 2078. You know, mm-hmm. Soldier Field will have reverted back to carbon. 
by that time and uh, will still be paying on that loan. But the problem you run into is you only have to look over to New York where the, the state of New York and the city of Buffalo is coming up with about $850 million so the, the bills will stay there and be happy and build a new stadium. Some are saying that after it's all said and done, it'll be close to a billion dollars in taxpayer money for an ownership group that are among some of the richest people in the United States. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, there's a fundamental argument there. And it's this picking and choosing. Let me let me bring it back, only because I know racing. Nobody, the cities don't build NASCAR tracks. They don't, they, you know, uh, there's plenty of sports venues that have no public funding. But it comes to the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all of a sudden cities think, well, we got to pay you. These poor billionaires are not going to be able to to build their stadium. It's it's ridiculous. And hopefully uh, uh, we'll call the Bears bluff, for lack of better terms. Hey, good morning to you, Ann. A happy Tuesday. Bruce and Judy with you. And boy, when they say dense fog advisory, they weren't kidding. You can barely see across the street around here right now. Um, Time to put those fog lights on if you have them. I don't know. Those the yellow them. ones? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I have them on any of I my cars. Some of those. Hey, uh, I want to give you a quick update on um, Sacramento, where over the weekend there was that horrible mass shooting. Six people killed, like another dozen people injured. There's been a second arrest now. And the, the second arrest was actually someone who had been struck by gunfire themselves and taken to a local hospital. It's unclear all of the connection in there, but now two people are at least in custody, whether they were specifically involved in the, the, the murders, in the mass shooting, or related in some way is unclear. I do still think it's kind of odd that it's 2022, I feel the need to say that, and you had a mass shooting on a busy street in downtown Sacramento, and we're still, yeah, we're not sure who did this. Like, that just strikes me as odd. I'm, I mean, even if they know who did it, but uh, uh, we haven't caught him. No, uh, they're still like, we're not really sure who's behind right. the, all this. The person who was immediately arrested wasn't, was charged with, like, I don't know, nothing yeah, that uh, too pot- serious. Potentially related. Right. Yeah. So, but maybe, at first I just thought it was a mass shooting, in, in other words, random, someone just opening fire. Yeah. Then, now I'm thinking it could have been gunfire between could have been several combatants. Mutual combatants oh, firing God. their guns. Well, because they said there were, there were multiple people shooting. Right. And that, so that, of course, that leads you to think, well, multiple people, I mean, what do they just all get together and start shooting on a, right. a, a city street? No. And especially since they just, this individual they just arrested, we had serious injuries. So it was one of those firing between several people and then in a crowd. Uh, in a crowd uh, yeah, of we folks. don't care that we're on a street where other people are walking around. Right. Uh, it's heinous it's just awful it's crazy to think of well, it's, it just it's is. so random it's still yeah. so random because yeah. how do you, how do you, you protect are. against yeah, that we right? talk about chicago violence and it was in sacramento people were out for the evening having fun yeah yeah ba- basically on, walking you know, down the street their main street the downtown area yeah, there in sac in sacktown um speaking of chicago maybe we should just celebrate the little victories when we get them chicago's seen a a, a decrease in murders year over year, about five percent. That's about it for the good news. Uh, 
A 36%, 36% yeah, increase in overall crime, though, uh, where we're talking about the carjackings, the burglaries, the robberies, etc., etc., which, by the way, ties in with a rise in crime almost everywhere. Um, other major cities are seeing similar rises in crime. This is going to be a real defining moment. I, I just think, not just for Chicago, but I think you're going to see in this upcoming election cycle, and you're going to see in congressional and presidential cycles, that crime is a big issue for people. Now, I'll admit this, the perception is the reality. You know, it's still unbelievably unlikely that you'll be the victim of a violent crime. You know, these are these odds are in your favor that you're not going to be kidnapped on on a street corner in Chicago. It's very low. But the perception is that it's the wild, wild west out there, not just in Chicago, but damn near everywhere. And it could happen. There used to be a time where it would never happen. I would never fear being shot in a city street. Look at Sacramento. It mm. does happen. It happens everywhere. Now, the, the, and the other problem with this is while it's good news that murders and shootings in Chicago are down, but crime has increased 36%. And when you talk about that crime, that's burglaries, thefts, carjackings. Those are crimes that affect a lot more people. I might not be afraid of being murdered in the Chicago area, and I'm really not, but Certainly. Well, I'll take burglary over being murdered. I mean, if I have a choice. The (laughs) odds of my being burglarized. Yeah, there's more more of it. Yeah, I mean, robbed, my car, getting carjacked. Those odds are a lot higher. Because they're happening more. Yeah, they're happening more, and they affect more people. Mm. So it's that's in that way it's it's still bad. But when it's going up everywhere, what does that say? I don't know. I was thinking maybe it was a. It's it's a result of the um, you know the financial constraints were in you know things are bad people are struggling and they turn to crime i don't know well they turn to car although the carjackings as we know at least in chicago always seem to be for fun or to commit other crimes they're not because i need a car to go buy bread for my family so there is that you know uh the sun times uh, and uh, shout out to andy Grimm who took a look at the chicago police department's um, statistics. You know, every police department has statistics because recently they were they were touting uh, some of their successes. But you can take a look at these statistics, and I think you could make an argument that if murder isn't <laughs> isn't legal in Chicago, I, there's at least a good chance you're going to get away with it. I, I mean, the 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 rate, the clearance rate that CPD says is about 50%. 50% of murders out there, that's half, are actually cleared, solved, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Close. That sounds unbelievably low to me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, I, I understand there's always going to be like, wow, we just can never catch that guy. Or, woo, this one got away with it. Or, like, Okay, if you would ask me, the murder clearance rate should be in the 80 to 90% rate? Am I just being unrealistic and thinking... How the hell are half of the murders not not being solved? Well, not being solved and not being charged, right? If there's no one, we just mentioned that mutual combatant. If no one's charged, the case is closed, right? So, you know, 400 murders were cleared in 2021, the most in 19 years. Yeah, 79 uh, 
let's see. But there were 797 no, homicides right. that year. 800, say around 800. Around 200 were closed exceptionally. What, I, what In mean, quotes. Exceptionally. That means no one was charged. So there's 200. Take those off. You know, of those 400, half. Right. So now you're charged. getting closer to 75% of murders. Nobody saw any justice for right nobody and, nobody went nobody went to jail nobody was charged yeah, right. forget jail. yeah we only hear about the big cases right and then generally they do make charges yeah what about all the other cases we don't even hear about uh and a good morning to you a uh a happy tuesday i mean the fog is so thick i can't see across the river okay i mean it is uh thick out there so do be careful if you're out and about bruce and judy with you and hey i need you to circle a date on your calendar may 12th what are you doing that night? Cancel it. You got plans. We're about to have an honest conversation with Joe Walsh. Uh, Joe is going to be live. Little dinner and convo. Again, 6 o'clock, Thursday night, May 12th at Chevy Chase Country Club in Wheeling. And joining us right now, the aforementioned Joe Walsh. Joe, good morning to you. Bruce and Judy, you guys are the best. Dog, Thank you. <laughs> We're excited. To I have, mean it. We're excited to have an evening with you. Give a chance for people to come and and spend some time with you. Uh, 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 dinner and a show, and you're the show, Joe. And people will, Bruce, be able to throw things at me if they'd like. I'm <laughs> I'm more than open to that. Look, we've talked. We've all talked before. These are crazy political times. Yeah, uh, they're only going to get crazier. I'm not a Democrat. I'm no longer Republican. I'm politically homeless these days. So I, I'm just going to give you a, we're going to have a conversation, my straight poop, about what the heck's going on right now. I think it'll be fun. Outstanding. So who do you think you appeal to right now, Joe? Besides you. me, because I really like you. Judy, mostly a little bit of Bruce. Maybe. <laughs> um, no, you know, Judy, I think it's crazy I've got people across the political spectrum. I mean, I come from mega world. I still have a lot of those people who love to hate listen me, uh, but I've got progressives and everybody in the middle. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a broad coalition of people who listen to me for a lot of different reasons. And Judy and Bruce, we're, I'm so freaking sick of the tribalization we've got in this country right You're now. Here. I think a lot of people are sick of that. Well, and isn't that part of the problem? Again, we're talking to Joe Walsh that, you know, um, the fringes make the most noise. They get the most attention, but we don't treat them like fringes. You know, the vast majority of Americans, whether you like it or not, are somewhere in the middle, maybe a little left of center, maybe a little right of center. But the vast majority of Americans are not walking around with a politician's name on their uh, on their on their body or they don't they would never put a sticker on a car or a, a yard sign like they're not. No, they don't. Uh, they don't cheer for politicians like that. They're normal people. Look, the uh, the incentives are all to be tribal. You make money when you're when you're in the tribe. I mean, in the media world we're in, in conservative talk radio, you know, the more Trumpy you can be, man, that's, that's where that audience is. The left does the same thing, but Bruce, you nailed it. I think most Americans are sick of this. And by the way, this tribalism is tearing this country apart. Agreed. So Joe, do you like, uh, do you like this kind of venue where you, an intimate setting talking to people? Is this your hey, jam? I, this is totally my jam. I love it. When I was in Congress, the, the thing I'm most proud of is I held more in-person town halls than any other member of Congress. Wow. I love getting together with people who love me and hate me. 
And what you try to do is you, you try to just say, let's have respectful dialogue. It doesn't always work, but most of the time it does, and it's needed. Well, Joe, isn't that part of the problem when you say respectful dialogue? We've gotten to a point in this country, and I would tend to agree with you, they, it's, a, it's a horrible point, where people refuse to be governed by someone they didn't vote for. Yes. When the reality is, we're a 50-50 nation. At least when you look at elections, you know, we're about a 50-50 nation. So half the people out there say, that's not my insert president, congressman, mayor, whatever. What we need, Bruce, is politicians and media people. Somebody's got to have the courage to say enough. Because right now, again, all the incentives in media and politics is to be as tribal as you can. Mm. You get reelected, you get ratings, you get money, you get a talk show. There needs to be a movement here of people who say enough. And that's, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but that's part of what I'm trying to do. And that's why I'm so excited to be uh, uh, in, in Wheeling at yes. Teddy Chase on May 12th. It'll be fun. An honest conversation with Joe Walsh. You can get your tickets right now at WLSAM.com. Again, Thursday night, May 12th at Chevy Chase Country Club in Wheeling. Joe, looking forward to having you here and having that uh, that evening and uh, and a smart conversation for the rest of us. How's that? Bruce and Judy, I love you, and I love listening to you every day. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. He's Joe Walsh again, coming to town, WLSAM.com. Get your tickets now before it sells out. Judy is here to restore your faith in humanity. Well, Americans have been very generous during the threat of COVID. Researchers examined the relationship between the threat of COVID and generosity, first using a data set provided by Charity Navigator. That's the world's largest independent charity evaluator. Now, the data set found that 78% of U.S. counties with a COVID threat Increased the total amount donated in March 2020 compared to March 2019. Even more encouraging, the charitable amounts increased the most when the degree of danger from the virus was highest. And perhaps even more encouraging, amounts given had nothing statistically to do with the age or political affiliation of the people involved. Researchers say in the wake of uncertainty, fear, and tragedy, there was a silver lining. People became more generous towards others. Well, that is a positive, right? right? Wow. That is tremendous. Take that and think about it for the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, tell you what. Thank you very much. Restoring faith in humanity, uh, Judy. Also, thanks a lot to MG and the Posse in Mission Control, hitting all the buttons and making things happen. Infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof class. DJ Tom, hush your mouth over there, young man, on the wheels of steel. And... Don't forget, we've got Rob Bartier in for Nick Gale. And Rob's going to keep you updated on everything you need to know this morning, the news, some of the traffic issues out there, and a little bit of crazy weather. Don't worry. Rob's got it for you. It's all coming up next right here on 890 WLS.